Thank you for tuning in. My prayer is that this message is going to be an encouragement to you personally and will cause great growth in your life. It's time to live and it's time to take this next step forward. God bless you as you listen. I want you to pray this prayer with me right now. Holy Spirit, I open my heart up to everything you want to say to me. Customize the words my pastor is saying for my ears, for my heart, and for my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So good to see you guys. I want you to have a seat. Now listen carefully. Uh, this morning, I, I, I have a little bit of a, I've been dealing with a little bit of a cold, and so I don't want to, I, I, I got to be careful with my voice because I still need to have it for the second service. And I tend to like talk with a lot of, eh, and so I'm going to try not to, but I need your help to encourage me today. So uh, then audio people be ready for me just to drop out and just pull me up, whatever it works out. All right. But, but in the meantime, please get your Bibles. Get them open to the book of Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter number 12. And I also need for you to, to turn to John chapter 1. Matthew 12, 46 and Matthew and John 1, 12. It says John 1, 2 up there on the screen, but that's my fault. Nobody else's. It's John 1, 12. Uh, so I looked at that earlier this morning. I was like, what? John 1, 2? That's not what that says. And so I, I, you know, it's John 1, 12. But Matthew 12, 46 and John 1, 12. Hold both of those. We'll start with the, the one in Matthew in just a second. You know, I really enjoyed uh, studying my family tree. Any of you guys do that? Any of y'all, y'all like, like studying your roots and your history? I, I've loved that. Uh, I, I kind of got into it about 10 years ago. But for years, I, I was actually afraid to do it. I didn't want to. And I'll tell you, there's just this, it was a strange reason. It's kind of bizarre. But I, I was afraid of what I would find around the Civil War and the pre-Civil War uh, years. Because my, my surname is Woody. And, uh, and I, in my, the roots from my family go back to North Carolina, Georgia, and Tennessee. And, and in years past, not so much today, but in years past, a lot of uh, people, black ethnic people have had the name Woody. And I didn't know if there was a correlation there. And it kind of just, I, I actually feared, I'll just tell you, I actually feared that my ancestors were somehow tied to slavery. And I just didn't want to do, do that. And I didn't want to get into it and study it. But I finally, I finally jumped in and, and, uh, and I found out that, that my family had absolutely nothing to do with enslaving people. In fact, after I took the plunge, I started reading stories and finding just the opposite because the Woodies, during the time of the Civil War, were anti-slavery people living in the Confederacy, and, uh, and they helped slaves escape out of the South, and they helped take care of other people, other whites, who worked with the underground movement and the anti-slavery movement at the risk of their own life, at the peril of their life. They lost, some lost their lives, some lost their homes as a result of what the Confederates did to them because they were helping to free uh, slaves. I, you know, okay, that, that's a nice part of my heritage. So I didn't have anything to fear anymore. I mean, and it's not like I could really do anything about that anyway, but then why would that bother me? Uh, because even if they were involved in slavery, why would I let that bother me today? Because that's not me, right? And, uh, but later on, as I, as I dug a little bit deeper, I found some, a little glitch in my family, family history, in my family tree. And it took a lot of study, a lot of research, and actually over a period of several years to find out the, the truth. Uh, I found out that my surname actually should not be Woody. Preston, I'm to tell you something you don't know. <laughs> uh, I've never really talked much about this, but I think this is a good place to do it. My, <laughs> here we go. My great-grandfather 
John DeCab Woody has no recorded father. And what I discovered was that my great-great-grandmother, whose name was Hulda, Hulda Woody, she was raped at the age of 14. And she subsequently bore a son, named him John. And uh, so I do not know who my great-great-grandfather is, nor do I bear his name. Hulda, therefore, then passed along her maiden name, Woody, to her son, John. Now, how am I supposed to feel about that? (laughs) But again... There's nothing I can do. That happened over 160 years ago. But basically, here's the twist of it all. I am here today as the result of a violent rape. Woody is a rape victim's surname. And my great-great-grandmother passed that along ultimately to me. Her son, John DeCab Woody, he had a son, and he named him Hosea. Hosea is my grandfather, and Hosea was a preacher, and Hosea had a son, and he named him Wayne Woody, who's my father, and my father was a preacher, church planter, a pastor. Wayne had a son, named him Tim Woody. (laughs) You see, something good came out of pain and tragedy that actually happened 163 years ago. My name is my name, and actually, I'm glad I carry my great-great-grandmother's name, but that surname does not define me ultimately. It really doesn't. So today I'm actually talking about this. This is the title of my message is this, The Power of a Surname. It's a new little series I'm doing from now to the, for the next four weeks called Talks from a Father. Jesus had an interesting family history as well. Uh, his mother's husband, Joseph, was not his father. His father was God. Now, that's actually kind of a pretty cool thing, but again, try growing up explaining to your friends, like, yeah, that's a, that, that guy over there, he's not my dad. My God, dad's God. Okay, right, right, right. But you see, he was raised by Mary's husband, Joseph, and he was trained in the family business of carpentry. I think you know that. A lot of people called him the carpenter's son, although he really wasn't his son. Uh, Joseph would have been Jesus' stepfather. But during this family pilgrimage out to Jerusalem, Jesus came up missing for three days. I still think that's crazy that a, that a, a 12-year-old is going to be roaming around this town for three days and he's, he's okay. But, but they finally found him and he was at the temple and he was listening to some teaching and asking questions and answering questions. In fact, he had thoroughly impressed the other teachers of the law that were there because of, he had this incredible understanding of the scriptures and, and how they, they worked themselves out. But when his mother found him, she chewed him out right? I mean, yeah, can you imagine? You lost your 12-year-old son for three days, and you find him at the church. You're going to chew him out, right? Well, that's that's what happened. But then Jesus said something strange. It's kind of interesting how he talks to to his mother. It's almost like he's talking back to her, but I don't believe that was the case. He was just making the statement. He said, he said, Mom, why were you looking for me everywhere so frantically? Basically, he, he said, you should have known where to found me right here at the temple because I'm doing my father's business at my father's house. And the scripture said that nobody really got it. They were like, what? what's that all about? But see, at that time, the temple was actually the place where the spirit of God dwelt. And Jesus often referred to it as his father's house. He also called it his house because your father's house is your house, you see? So, so Jesus, what was happening at this young age, Jesus was recognizing that his authority actually did not come from Joseph, but it came from God. He was the son of God. 
And, uh, and so the last we hear about his stepfather, Joseph, was around that age, around the age of 12 years old. So, so Jesus' stepdad literally drops out of the narrative, and there's no explanation why. There's no reason to try to assume. The Bible leaves that, that a mystery, and so it's okay to leave it a mystery. Please don't spend the rest of your life trying to find out what happened to Joseph. But we do know that, uh, that there were four younger brothers of Jesus, and at least two sisters. Uh, Jesus began his public ministry when he was about 30 years old, but the truth is, even though Mary had had the angelic visitation and, and all this stuff had happened, 30 years down the road, still, his family didn't get it. Uh, they, you need to know this, they were not his followers at first. In fact, they literally thought that Jesus had lost his mind, which takes us to the passage today in Matthew chapter 12, verse 46. We're going to read that here in just a second. See, Jesus was in this courtyard, and he was teaching this large crowd, and his mother and his siblings came to try to, to talk some sense into him and basically drag him back home. Essentially, they had planned an intervention. That's what they were doing. So it unfolds in Matthew chapter 12, verse 46. This is one of the most interesting passages, mysterious passages in the scripture. It says, while Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mothers and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. And someone told him, your mothers, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. He replied to them, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and brothers, for whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother, sister, and mother. In other words, they weren't doing God's will. They were trying to stop him from doing God's will. So it's like, okay, basically, you know, y'all are my family. I don't know about those guys. Now, this literally throws everybody off. Now, we're talking Jesus, the son of God, is saying this, okay? First of all, <laughs> their intervention failed miserably. Uh, we also know later on, Mary and his, and his brothers, they, they actually became followers of his. We, we know that happened actually later on. But Jesus made some profound statements in there, basically letting us know that there's this higher level of family than blood family. It's actually the family of God. And really what Jesus did when he explained this, he opened up this whole new realm of possibilities. It, it also set him free from being controlled from, uh, by, by the doubt or the lack of spiritual insight from his family. Later on in the scriptures, I mean, we, we see also that the local church is, is called to function as a family. We, we were talking about that during the transition time, about partnership and how it means, you know, you're saying, hey, this is my family here. So really all in all, there really are three types of families that I've, that I've been able to discover from my research. Here they are. They're blood family, church family, that's a local church, and God's family. Now, I know that some people use the term family in our culture to describe a group of friends, and I'm not trying to dissect things, but really the truth is that's not family, that's community. I, and I think it's just important that we not dilute the real meaning of family. Uh, family basically has this. Family has a head. A family has established boundaries, has deep love commitments. Family involves everyone's contribution. Family involves security and longevity. Family always involves a common name and a desire to reproduce and expand. You don't see that in a group of friends. So, so really, a group of friends is uh, really close friends. That's, that's really more community. Uh, and, and, but we see all those characteristics that I just gave you in these three types of family. In fact, it's God's desire that Everyone have family, and that's why he designed this. 
See, now, the truth is, unless there's something very odd that happened in your, in your blood family, everyone does have a blood family. Uh, and, but, but that blood family might carry a legacy that you need to break free from. Uh, there might be a curse that's on that family. There could be abuse. Uh, maybe just some horrible, horrible dysfunction, and that family identity does not have to be your identity, and I want you to get that today. See, God wants you to be in a family that will, that, where, where you can take on a new surname, so to speak. That doesn't mean that you literally have to change your last name or disassociate yourself with, with your blood family, but it does mean that you can have a new family and a fresh identity. Psalm 68, verse six, I love this, it's beautiful. It says, God sets the lonely in families. He leads out prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. He draws a comparison to, between people who are in family and people who are not. Now, I'm glad God set me in three families. There's my blood family, my church family, and also the family of God. And oh, the question is, why live in misery and loneliness when you can't have family? And God says he wants you to have family. It's, it's, it's powerful to take on the name of a new family and to make it your identity because your name actually has power. It does. Your name has power. Think of these surnames. What, what emotions rise up in you when I say the surname Hitler? Uh, you know. Einstein, like, oh. Shakespeare, ooh. You, know, you, you, you begin to think certain things when I, hear, when I give you those surnames. They, and, and that's because names hold power. But you, and you have a surname from your bloodline, and you might feel proud of your surname and the family heritage that it represents, or you may have even just said, I just need to change this from the one I was born with. And why? It's because names do hold power. My legal identity legally is in my name. It's on my ID card, my passport, my bank accounts, insurance documents, and all my bills. But uh, to give someone else authority, if I want to give someone else my authority, I sign my name. But my name, it, it has limitations. I mean, I can't just go up to the White House and knock on the door as if I could ever even knock on the door and say, hi, I'm Tim, I'd like to come in. I can't, I can't even go to the governor's mansion down in, in Austin and, and say, hey, I'm, I'm here to see the governor. And no, no, you know, there, but the truth is there are places that I can get into here in the city that, uh, that others may not get into because of my name. And, and it, but, but it's not because I just walk up and say, hey, I'm Tim, let me in, because they're gonna say, Tim who, right? And, and so when I say Tim Woody, well, the door may or may not open. But see, the surname is actually where the power lies. And, and the thing is, for me, for my family, I'm proud to carry the Woody surname. I'm proud to pass it along to my children and my grandchildren. I believe in legacy. What the enemy tried to destroy 163 years ago, it didn't work. It actually backfired. Hey, that's hope for some of you right there. That's hope for some of you right there. So here it is. I'm identified by my last name, but I'm not defined by it. That's huge right there. That's huge. See, because family, your family in eternity is a deeper level of family just like Jesus declared himself. 
He wasn't dissing on his brothers or his sisters or his mom. No, it was just, he was just stating fact. So you're, in other words, you're not defined by your DNA. You're not defined what your parents did or what your parents did not do. See, your surname is not who you are, even though people will say, who are you? And you give that. That's actually your identification. You tracking with me, all right? In fact, in the scriptures, God even changed people's names because he knew they had to get over the, the entanglements, the emotional and mental entanglements they had with other names. And so he changed them from time to time so they could accept a new identity. So it, it, it's time to stop being controlled by your surname. Can I, can I challenge you with that today? I don't want you to ever say, well, that's just the way my family has always been, so that's the way I am. Oh, what? Like my family, a family of rapists? No. No. Do you get that? Am I talking too harsh for you? Actually, I just want to be real. That's my background. But it has no effect on my family today. It doesn't. We moved on, decided now we're going to be preachers. Stop accepting those lies. That's not who you are. That's part of the reason why God gave us the church. It's to give us identity. It's to challenge us to live greater. City Life Church, I mean, is is a name for for a family right here. And, and I hear so often how this family, this local church family has been there for people and, and people who've gone through a lot. And, and in fact, it was so cool because this last week I got a phone call uh, from someone who used to be a part of the City Life Church family a few years ago. And this is a young, ambitious attorney who was trying to get his career started and he came here and, and uh, he had a lot of baggage and, and he had some fa- past mistakes and some sin problems and some family problems, but he found Jesus right here and began to pull his life together with the help and encouragement of people from the City Life family. Eventually, he moved a few years ago and was no longer a part of the City Life family, but, but in this phone call that he gave to me, he just said, I wanted to call my pastor back and let you know what the City Life Church family did for me. And he went on to describe, and he, he's, he's been crying and through, the, through this whole phone call. And he said that this family taught him how to be a husband. This family taught him how to be a better dad. And in tears, he said, you, you know what, Pastor Tim? You pushed me and you challenged me, but, I, but you actually helped take me to a whole new level. He's part of a whole new church family now. And, and, uh, but he traces his family roots back to this family. He said, I realized I didn't have to be perfect to be accepted to be a part of a local church family because of city life. In fact, that goes for all types of family. You don't have to be perfect to be in any family, correct? But a healthy family will keep you a little uncomfortable so that you will contribute and you will grow. Did you know that? That's part of being a family. And I'm a city lifer, and I'm glad you know, it's kind of like my local church, City Life Church, is part of my surname. <laughs> it's, it is part of my identity in the community. But, but I, I love this. There's this higher level, which is the family of God. And this is the massive worldwide family. This, this is the massive family we're going to spend eternity with. Now, I want you to look now in John chapter 1, verse 12, in this second passage, because you're going to see uh, how we're a part of this massive family and how we receive this new identity. John 1.12 says this, it says, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. 
children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. You have been born of God when you receive Christ. That is crazy. I mean, when you, it's crazy amazing. <laughs> when you get saved and you accept Jesus Christ, you become what we call a Christian. A Christian literally means this, this, this term evolved all, about 20 years after Jesus had left the earth, but this, this term eventually started by people saying, yeah, you're kind of like a little Jesus. You're a little Christ. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, I get, that's what being a Christian means. You, you have this new identity. You're a child of God. You have been adopted into the most potent family in the universe, and God, God is your father. The God who created the universe has taken up residence in you, and your identity now is something that transcends your blood surname. That's good stuff. It's interesting but our fathers have a lot to do with the way that we see and perceive ourselves. Now, I'll, I'll just be honest with you. There is no perfect father on this earth. My father is never perfect. I've not been a perfect father. But, but if we're going to understand the highest form of and the purest form of identity, we need to get that purest form of identity from our father, God. Most of the time, a dad is disconnected from uh, their children. And a lot of the times, and it, sometimes it's a, abusive and uh, the dads are withdrawn or absent or maybe emotionally unavailable. And many times, if, uh, if your interests do not align with the, your father's interests, you feel in the dark and you're kind of just out there on your own, but you still have his surname. And, and so some of you, you may or may not feel deeply attached to your father. In fact, uh, most people have what we call father issues of one type or another. So it's okay to I just say, okay, got that, Right. For some of you, uh, it's very painful, and it's of no fault of your own. But the beauty of it is that actually makes all of us great candidates for the father who chose you, a father who is perfect, who can give you a stronger identity than the name assigned to you. Now, I'll tell you guys, I love my father. I think Wayne Woody is the best dad in the whole wide world. Uh, in fact, I've invited him to come speak out here on Father's Day, so he's planning on coming out and having a chat with us. But, but, I, but the thing is, with, with my father, he didn't choose me. He participated in the process, naturally. But he didn't choose me. I was simply born into the family. God, on the other hand, is a father who looked at you and chose you, and he allows you to then be reborn into his family, giving you the foundation that you need to live an incredible life and a break free from the other father issues that so often cripple us. So what's your most powerful surname? Well, I made up a few, and then they, they're kind of corny, but, but uh, you, know, you might be called, called yourself God's child <laughs> or God's son or Christian. But you know what? Really, those are kind of like our, our big God surnames, but don't let anyone despise you because of your other last name. And stop putting yourself down because of the past. Because that other name is not you. No, you are a child of God. You are God's child. You are a Christian. You are God's son. You are blessed. You are sons and daughters of God. Stop letting fatherlessness issues, a lack of anchor, um, assigned identities and personal pain tell you who you are. 
And today I'm declaring this boldly. In God's family, we have identity, we have purpose, we have calling, and we have direction. Oh, come on, guys. You're in the family of Jesus. His name breaks down walls. His name demolishes strongholds in our lives. Can I hear an amen? The name of Jesus is the one that you take out onto your cultural streets with gentleness and grace and humility. Now, you gotta understand, it's this name of Jesus that will change mindsets and ways of thinking that, uh, that have brought tragic consequences on our lives and our families and our friends. Jesus reverses evil. That's the family we're in. Jesus brings hope. Jesus heals, Jesus saves, Jesus restores, Jesus never fails. Jesus' name is branded on my identity. That's where I find my identity. Jesus holds all authority in heaven and earth. Jesus is the cornerstone and he's the central pillar of this local church, City Life Church. Jesus is the center of my life and Jesus is the giver of life. The name of Jesus will open bigger doors than you've ever seen before and it will also close wounds. The name of Jesus will keep you strong and it will keep you secure. The name of Jesus will keep you whole. And even though you may have even steered your own life into a ditch and you've crashed because of your own misjudgments or your own sins or your own failures, in the name of Jesus in this family, you find a new beginning. Come on, guys. You get a new day. You get a new hope. You get a new life. God loves you and he's on your side. Know what you're in here, guys. Jesus will lift you up again and again. He's not counting how many times you failed. He doesn't have a three strikes and you're out policy. No. In this family, we have the name of Jesus on us. And the name of Jesus, it's strong, yet it's tender. It's fierce, but it's also gentle. The name of Jesus is trustworthy sincere, it's merciful, it's limitlessly powerful. Through Jesus, we have a legacy of power and of possibilities and purpose that we are, have all just barely tapped into and so much is out there for us to discover and I want you to discover it this year at City Life Church. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 10, verse nine, how to choose your surname. He tells us right here. He says that, he says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is the boss, Jesus is the chief, Jesus is the jefe, Jesus is the man. And you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. In other words, you have adoption into his family, but you gotta say it. He said, all you gotta do is just say it and you are in. Now, I want you to understand, if you've already said that, that's the family you're in. Well, the things I'm talking about here today are yours. Jesus is the name that allows us to make sense of our lives in a very messed up world. Jesus is the one who gives us hope in spite of our many failings and our shortcomings. Jesus is the name that dispels darkness and brings light. Jesus is the name that transforms heartache into joy. Jesus reverses death and he brings life. And I am not ashamed of the name of Jesus. I proudly bear his name. 
The name of Jesus means that you have hope. The name of Jesus means that you have a future. The name of Jesus means that you don't have to live with guilt. You don't have to live with shame, my friend, and you don't have to live with any kind of condemnation. The name of Jesus means you get yet another chance and another chance and another chance and another chance and another chance. And I can keep going on saying that all day long. Because the name of Jesus means that it doesn't matter if you've had a financial disaster or you're at war, that's not gonna be your final demise. The name of Jesus means that no divorce, no disappointment, no disease, no personal epitaph is going to be inscripted on your life forever. (laughs) Do you understand what we're a part of? The name of God. I want it to be inscribed deeply upon my heart. That's where Tim finds his identity. Do you find yours there? I'd like for us all just to sit very quietly for just a moment. I want you to focus internally because you might be here today and you've never entered into this family that I'm talking about. You've lived under the weight of the curse or the perceived blessing or maybe the real blessing of, of your surname, but you know that regardless of how good or wonderful it is, there are flaws in there all over the place <laughs> because people mess up. If you want to be a part of this family of Jesus and, and receive all of these benefits that I speak of and have his name boldly imprinted upon your heart, oh my goodness, I want to pray with you so that you can enter in today. This means that you get a new life. This means you get a new family. This means you get a new beginning. And what I'm going to ask you to do here in just a second is to lift your hand when I ask for you to. That way I can connect my faith with yours and we can pray together. We'll pray that prayer. Confess with your mouth. And watch things begin to change today. Know this, know this. Get this in your heart. Jesus loves you more than you can imagine. He died for you so that you could have life, life to the full and be in his big family. And today it's time to live and not just live on this earth, but to set it up for eternity. So if you want to be included in my closing prayer, make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. When I count to three, I'm gonna ask you to lift your hand so that I can see it. Will you please do that? One, two, three. Lift your hand up so that I can see it. I want to be a part of this family. Thank you. Who else? Thank you. Who else? This is the family I choose to be a part of. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Here's what I'd like to do. If you lifted your hand, I want you along with everyone else in this room to stand to your feet. Will you guys stand all over this room? We're standing together as a family. Yeah, a local church family. And you might be sitting with your blood family, but I'm telling you what, there's a bigger family than the blood family. It's a more potent family than even the local church family, and that is the family of God. And I want you to pray this prayer with me. Now, congregation, I want you to pray this as encouragement to those who are around you as well. Pray these words. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin. I believe you're the Son of God. Forgive my sins because it's time for me to live. I give up my past. I give up my past identity and I embrace your identity and I embrace the future that you have for me. Thank you for giving me your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Take a look at me. The power of entering into the family of God is the beginning of a new journey. Now listen, if you prayed that prayer, there are two things I want you to do. I want you to, to, in just a second, take a next card, complete it, 
take it over to next and let me know the decision you made today so I can be in touch with you. Second thing is just to be in church every Sunday for the next six months. Just don't stop. Watch what will happen. But before we close today, before I dismiss, there are some of you who are still bound by entanglements from the family name or the family line and it bugs you and you feel like it has got you in a vice and it's holding you back. And today is a day where we need just, we need just to, to draw a line in the sand and break that, break that, break that, break that in Jesus' name. I don't know who broke it in my family, but I know somewhere along the line, somewhere along in the past 163 years, someone said, no more, this is not going to define my family. <laughs> it's not gonna define my family. And as a result, God just started blessing and blessing and blessing. I want you to receive this prayer. Just everyone in this room, just lift your hands to the Lord. God, I pray blessing over every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, every young adult in this room. I pray for there to be a breaking of strongholds in our past that attach us to identities that are wrong, to, to, to names and ways of thinking that says, this is just the way my family is. I can't break out. In the name of Jesus, we break that curse. We break those thought patterns. We choose that we're not gonna go back to that, that there's gonna be a turn a fresh breath of life in this room in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. So Lord God, I pray for the healing power of God, the restoration of the Holy Spirit to release in this room. God, we take your name and we allow it to be on our hearts in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, I'm glad I came to church today, aren't you? Well, here, receive this. God bless you and keep you. God, smile on you and gift you. God, look you full in the face and make you prosper. Now you guys, make Jesus known this week. I love you. I'll see you next Sunday. Have you discovered your street of influence? Whether it be family, government, business, arts and entertainment, faith, health and vitality, or education, head over to culturalstreets.com and discover your street today.